Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Charlie. Today we're going to be discussing chapters 10 and chapters 11 of A Harry Potter and a Philosopher's Stone. If you haven't listened to this podcast before, we're two 20-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book with added alcohol and cynicism. So if that sounds like your kind of thing, we're going to jump straight into it. If you like it, don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Goblet of Wine Pod. Okay, we are back. Charlie, what are we drinking today? So we, oh shit, what are, I left it in the kitchen. Oh, I'm sorry. Right, so I promise we aren't sponsored by Smirnoff, uh, but we're drinking a special edition, edition Smirnoff. It's red, white and berry, so it's cherry, citrus and sweet raspberry. Limited edition. It's very, Water. it's very sweet. Like, it's very sweet. It's my review so far. Yeah, but you kind of need that with vodka. Okay, so first off, we have a few housekeeping things to get to. So this is the first episode that has been released since we have put out the podcast. Everything well, else has been... Being recorded since we've released. Yeah, the first episode we've recorded since we released the podcast. Everything else was pre-recorded. So first off, we just want to say thank you to the people that have listened. Up until this point, we were recording with no one listening. It was just us. We've now put it out, and despite the fact it's only been out three and a half weeks, I think? No, I think like three. Three weeks. We have had two... I'm going to check the actual numbers, just so... It's about 240. Yeah, lessons, let me just... Which some people might think is nothing, but that's really weird that anyone is listening. 253 total plays and at least 111 individual listeners. Which is crazy. I don't know why you're listening, yeah, but, but thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Honestly, me and Charlie are texting each other every single day. This isn't a lie. Yeah. We're texting each other every single day, just being like, have you seen the numbers today? Have you seen the numbers today? We are both yeah. so excited. And obviously it isn't all about the numbers. Like, it isn't at all about the numbers. Like, we keep saying at the end of the day, like, we're getting drunk and we're talking about Harry Potter. So that is what we would do anyway. Um, wow, we're sad. Yeah, we are. Um, but like the fact that actually people are listening is just like the weirdest like added bonus that is like absolutely fantastic. And people have been tweeting us as well. It's amazing. So we've set yeah. up the Twitter. A few of our past episodes have got the handle wrong just because we haven't set it up yet. We are at Goblet of Wine Pod. You'll see us straight away. Our logo is there. We would love for you to follow us on Twitter because we love talking to you guys on yeah. Twitter. And we want to shout out two people. We so do. Hannah, do you want to start? So first, we'd like to shout out official so, Francesco. I think her name is Francesca. Yeah. She tweeted us saying she loved the pod. Is she the one that tweeted us saying she loved the podcast? Yeah, yeah she, she loves it. She, she also guessed our houses. Yeah, before we put a poll out, she guessed our houses. And she was almost right. So she guessed that I was in Gryffindor, which is correct. She guessed that I'm Hufflepuff, which almost correct. Because obviously, you know, we said two episodes ago, so... Hufflepuff is my second, Slytherin is my first. So she was so close. She and was so I'm close. I'm really flattered. And I, we we were texting each other, like, just so excited that someone had tweeted yeah. us. Like, yeah. we could not believe it. And we also want to shout out, so at Count Cabbage, which is a spectacular handle. Yeah, great handle. Well done. Well done. Which her, she doesn't, or he maybe, doesn't actually have their name on it. Um, their name on it is Citizen Scrooge Dean. Um, so we want to shout out them. So they actually tweeted us. They thought that they were voting on um, <laughs> what house Charlie Weasley was. <laughs> so we put a poll out on our houses and they replied to the one going, Charlie's in Griffin. 
Gryffindor, duh. And then they were like, oh wait, you meant Charlie in the podcast. Yeah. And we found that the funniest thing it ever. Gave we us appreciated that so much. So thank you so much. So those are the two shout outs. You want a shout out? Just like, tweet us. Tweet us. We will definitely yeah. give you a shout out. Um, on top of that, for more shout outs and things like that, we are obviously now on Apple Podcasts and we would love you to give us a rating and review. We would absolutely love it. Ratings and review will help us get into the new and noteworthy section, which will help us out so much. So even if you just leave a rating or if you just, you know, make up a bullshit review, that would be amazing. Would. Tweet us if you've done it and we will definitely retweet you, shout you out, yeah. do whatever you want. We, it would be amazing. We really want to get into the new and noteworthy section and we think we can do it because we just want this podcast to reach more people because we are having so much fun with it. So if yeah. you could help us out with that, it pushes us up in all the different algorithms so please please do that yes. if you can and our very last super super quick thing that we just want to shout out is that we created a patreon page this is amazing it will let you get bonus content it will let you vote on our alcohol and get shout outs all kinds of kinds of things you can go on there for more detail yep the lowest um donation is two dollars a month which to us, sounds crazy that people would want to donate that, but also if you think of $2 a month, it's a tiny amount, but this podcast can get expensive to run. We basically, if we get any money from the Patreon, it all goes back into the podcast. We need to upgrade the audio at some point because we are sharing one mic and we have to we cozy right up to do that. And when we get drunk, we kind of, you know, stumble about the place being away from each other. So it's for your own benefit. It is for your own benefit. <laughs> and you also, we would love people to vote on our alcohol. This is our dream. We want people to vote on yes. what we drink each week. So there is a level on Patreon where you can vote to drink. But if you just click on, if you go on patreon.com slash goblet of wine, um, it will be, all the info will be on our Twitter as well. Um, you'll be able to have a look at all the different rewards. And if you are feeling super generous, if you are an amazing person, then you can donate to us on Patreon. But yes. that is all the housekeeping yes. out the way. Sorry, that was quite a lot, but we just, again, want to say thank you. Like yes. we are already blown away by the support. Yeah. So we're going to jump straight into it then. Yes. Where am I Yeah. Close? So we, we are, are on chapter 10, Halloween, and I have a special surprise for Charlie. Oh no. This is actually really great time. Yeah, so it's the third. So it's just been Halloween. So it's super spooky. There are pumpkins, which Hannah is currently lighting. So what I just did, I still have my Halloween pumpkin in my house. I haven't chucked it away yet. And I was going to chuck it away today. And then I realised, no, wait, we're reading the Halloween episode. Let's yeah. light the pumpkin again. Gotta get it spooky. So we now have, for context, a pumpkin lit. And if you go on our Twitter, at Goblet of Wine Pod, we will post pictures of the pumpkin and the behind the scenes and all of that. So the chapter starts with Harry and Ron at breakfast the morning after the chapter before. And they now think the whole bloody thing last night was hilarious. They, I think it was a right laugh that they almost got expelled and almost got eaten by a three-headed dog. Hermione is now refusing to speak to them and they say that's okay because she is a bossy know-it-all. And Charlie, I want to talk about the word bossy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So bossy and ladylike, yeah. loud. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I used to be called bossy as an yeah. insult. And do you remember the tweenies? Yeah. I used to be called Bella from the Tweenies because she was the bossy one. Oh. And I used to hate it. I used to get really upset when people called me bossy because it was coded as like a really bad word yeah. to be bossy. It was really bad to be bossy. And then in J.K. Rowling writes, and she writes a character who is at first seen as negative because she's bossy. But mm -hmm. by book seven, oh, holy crap, does that bossy save yeah. their boys' lives a hundred times? saves everyone's lives. saves everyone's lives. Yeah. And also that bossiness is not bossiness it's assertiveness mm -hmm. it's power it's female power yes and I just hate when I was growing up 
if a girl asserted herself and wanted to be the leader, she was bossy. Yeah. If a boy asserted himself and wanted to be the leader, he was strong. Yeah. He was going to be, you know, he was going to do well and I have life. really vivid memories of this. I have mm. memories of we did some, like, what would now be called, like, team building. Oh, yeah. Um, and we did those kind of activities and they were, like, you know, out on the school field kind of thing. They were really practical, like, puzzle, you know, yeah. solving. And, like, I would take the lead, like... I'm not always a natural leader. It depends who I'm with. If I'm with less assertive people, then I do tend to take on the role of the natural leader. I do the same, but if I sense someone's more assertive, I will always just not yeah, bother. back off. Yeah, so, it, you know, and I remember taking that, and I remember being called bossy by a teacher. <gasps> and what it actually was, was that just meant, like, you know, there was men in the group that I was speaking over. I'm sure if I'd been in an all-women group, there wouldn't be, but it's like none of the men in the group naturally wanted... Um, not men, boys. Boys. We were like... Eight. Yeah. You know, none of them actually naturally wanted to take the lead, so they didn't, and that was fine, and it was working. And had I not been taking the lead, everyone would have stood around, stood doing, around doing Actually, I don't know if JK Rowling planned this, but the boys calling her bossy in a negative way comes across as every 12-year-old boy we ever knew. Yeah. But by the end of the books, her bossiness isn't negative, and they're not using that word anymore, but it's, she's still the same person, she still is a typically bossy person, and I think actually what it does is, for people that read it, they go through the same journey that yeah. Harry and Ron do, they think, oh, if a girl is assertive and clever and tells me what to do, she's bossy, and by the end of the books, they're just like, no, she's like, awesome, she packed our pyjamas yes. for us, like, yeah. that's like, actually where they get to it, they get to, like, acknowledging in the text like if we did not have Hermione we, we would, would be, be fucked because there's another point where they call her a nag yeah which is a Ooh. word oh when you call a woman a nag yeah. but by the end of the book they're not calling her a nag and yeah. also just like thank you to J.K. Rowling for writing her main female character as bossy because yes. it really I remember it reassuring me when I was a child and it still reassures yeah. me now that girls if you're bossy you're not bossy you're just being, being held to a different standard than the men are. Okay, so, moving on from the bossiness. Harry's broom arrived. And it's a Nimbus 2000 that the school pays for him. Like, there are so many brooms they could have bought him, and they buy him the top spec But is it the broom. school, or is it McGonagall? Because it doesn't say the school bought him it, it says McGonagall bought him it. No, well, she says say... she's going to our special permission from Dumbledore. But where did the... Does the school have a special fund for this? And what do they give other poor children? Just and Harry's not... In general, how does Hogwarts make money? And Harry's not even poor. Well, I assume it's like here, where schools are funded by the government and wizards are taxed when they make money. Yeah, I guess, yeah. It's not a private school. Although it acts like a private school. Yeah. It isn't a private school, yeah. as far as I know. Kids don't pay to go there because it's the only school. It's just... I wonder who bought him this Nimbus 2000. I just find it funny. Yeah. Um. So then Harry has one-on-one -on -one Quidditch practice with Woods. And I just want you to look at the little hearts I drew. So him and Harry have one-on-one -on -one Quidditch practice. And Harry mentions basketball, which is cute. I don't know why. Um. And then Wood talks about the bludgers. And it made me realise they're basically death balls. Yeah. Because this is actually something I never really like. Obviously, I kind of... You know when you like know something you don't really think yeah. about it? So, like, obviously, I kind of knew that, you know, I'd read it before and they do... The point is that you hit them at each other. That never really registered. I always kind of thought that they flew around trying to hit people and you had to hit them away. But you also hit them too. <laughs> which never really registered. And it's yeah. like, you're literally, like, these massive like essentially bowling balls it's like if in a sport you had two people whose job was to violently chuck bowling balls at the people playing like football cannonballs yeah yeah that's 
a bit fucked up. It is fucked up, and it just reminds me of what I imagine, like what we were talking about earlier, like private schools, Victorian private schools' attitude to danger, like yeah. like Eton boys being like, oh well, it's fine, it's character building, you know, they'll mm-hmm. learn, they'll learn. It's Hit just each like, other with our smelting sticks. Exactly, there is this just this kind of old fashioned thing of like, oh well, you know, it's good for their character to hit bowling balls at each other. Yeah. Um. So then we basically talk through the batshit crazy rules of Quidditch. And I know nowadays there's a lot of contention, but I just don't care because I don't care about the rules of sport in general that much. And I find mm. it impressive J.K. Rowling came up with a new sport. Yeah. What do you think of the rules of Quidditch? They're just stupid. They are stupid. Then I love the bit where Wood says something about how um, you'll be as good as Charlie if, um, and he could have played for England if he hadn't gone off chasing dragons. And I really love this continuous resentment of Charlie peppered throughout this book of like, fucking hell, like he's clearly early on in his dragon career at this point and people are still like- <laughs> Dragon career. Dragon, and people are still like, what the fuck was that boy doing? Like yeah. he could have been this, he could have been that. And he's just like, people just don't respect him. Like he just him. went off and did things with dragons. He is the best character. He is the best character. And I said in this book, and I'll talk about this in one of the later chapters, he's set up more in this book than Bill is, so you think he's going to be the more important older brother, yeah. but in the end, he gets totally sidelined by yeah. the other brothers. So, yeah. I love him. I really love Charlie. Like, yeah. I, Charlie Weasley is a badass. He is amazing. Yeah. Why? I do love Bill as well. Oh, I love Bill, yeah. but I really love Charlie. So then we're in Charles' class, and we are learning levitation. Um, just such an iconic scene. I absolutely love it. It's Wingardium Leviosa, not Leviosa. Which isn't even what she says. She says, you have to make the gar nice and long gar. in the box. It's an, another one where the film bulldozes over it. Yeah. So then they're leaving class. Ron is annoyed at Hermione and he calls her a nightmare. A very like poignant bit. Hermione is very, very upset. And it's one of the most, ups- it's one of the most upset we ever see her throughout all seven books. She goes and says it's Ron. I don't. Well, I'm going to talk about why this is, but she spends the entire afternoon crying in the toilet, so she misses her lessons. And I think, like, as an adult, you understand, like, reading this as an adult, I now understand how lonely Hermione must have been. Yeah. Like, so she went to school, and yeah, she's good at her lessons, but she doesn't have any personal friends. She's muggle-born, so she doesn't really understand the world she's in. So bear in mind, Hermione's birthday's in September. So she spent her birthday with no friends, no one knowing it was her birthday. Oh no! Have I broken your heart? I also think this kind of explains another side of Hermione's character that we don't see. Like, Hermione is very strong. We know she's very strong. We know she can get by without help from others. But... She does need others to help her. She isn't, like, foolproof. And this yeah. shows she does need friends and that people's personal comments do really hurt her. She's not bulletproof. She is, like, a hu- normal human being. Because yeah. we all put her up on this pedestal, but yeah, she's, like, really I think fallible. My favourite Hermione thing, um, obviously, you know, within the narrative, and I think it's amazing that J.K. Rowling has included flaws within Hermione. Obviously Definitely. flaws that don't make it into the films. Mm-hmm. Um, and flaws that, you know, we perceive to be flaws when we're younger and reading it for the first time that later on, you know, like the bossiness, we realise that that isn't a flaw. That's but so my favourite yeah. thing that she didn't include as a flaw that she very easily could have is the fact that Hermione is only friends with boys. And I'm so grateful to, for J.K. Rowling never to have included the whole, 
oh, I just get along with better, better with girls, with like boys. boys. Like, I don't really have any female friends, you know, there's just so much and bitchy drama. And like... it's not that, because she clearly gets along fantastically with Ginny, it's just that yeah. she ended up being accepted by boys first, and yeah. it's just the natural thing of how it happens. Yeah, and I feel like, because obviously the books are kind of through Harry's eyes, mm. for the most part, I feel like her friendship with Ginny actually gets downplayed. Oh, it does. I think, personally, and we'll get into this in later books, there's moments and things that Ginny said, which I'm like, oh my god, those two are super, like, super close. Yeah, and you know, Hermione always has a great insight into how Ginny's feeling. She's not psychic, it's because they've had conversations. Yeah, I imagine them up in the dormitory chair and be like, like, Ron's yeah. such a twat, Ron's such a oh twat. Oh my god, he's such a twat, oh he definitely god. likes you, oh my god. But yeah, we're kind of getting off topic, but yeah, I just really appreciate that that was never included in one of Hermione's flaws. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, her crying, I feel like it just humanises her quite a lot, because up until this point she's just been the nerd, the nerd, the nerd, and then this really humanises her, remind, and it yeah. reminds you she's just a kid at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, like, she's, she's just a 11 year old girl. She's just been called a nightmare. And doesn't have any friends, she's gone to a new school. Yeah, Ugh. it's it's sad. Yeah. So then it's the Halloween feast, and Krill runs in and says, Troll! In the dungeon! Troll in the dungeon! I just want to go to yeah, again, it's one of those lines where he doesn't say that in the books, but I don't care. I don't, yeah, I don't care. Um, so they all have to evacuate, and the boys hurry up to the girls' toilets to find Hermione, and they just say, let's head to the girls' bathrooms. Which girls' bathrooms? Surely the school is full of girls' bathrooms? Like, they're just like, let's just go to the girls' bathroom. Let's, which one? Let's take a Hogwarts tour of all the girls' bathrooms. But they just know which bathroom, really. I mean, I suppose... Maybe could be the one on the floor. The one on the floor of the yeah. charms. But they just say, let's go to the... I'm just now imagining Hogwarts as, like, this seven-floor castle with one bathroom for the girls. <laughs> so they lock the troll into the toilets, then run back. This, um, this made me laugh because it's a massive, massive troll. Yeah. And they've just locked it in, like, into toy, a to like, troll versus door, you know? Well, I suppose it's a castle, so the doors are pretty tall, but yeah, then the troll is 12 foot, so... Yeah. But they locked it in, <laughs> and which leads me to believe the outside door of the toilet has a lock, which is a bit odd anyway, Weird. but, you know, it's not yeah. a castle, whatever. I feel like in a school that would be problematic. Yeah, it really would, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, and then... There's the line, which is one of my favourite lines of all of Harry Potter, and I love the Twitter Tumblr thing of, this is Harry Potter in one line. Harry then did something both very brave and very stupid. <laughs> Harry then did it, Charlie's got it written down as I well. I wrote it down as well. <laughs> you wrote it underneath Gryffindor. A true Gryffindor. <laughs> A true Gryffindor. It is. That is Gryffindor. Did something very brave and very yep. stupid. That mm -hmm. is, that's the Harry Potter books in a nutshell. Yep. Also, Harry jumps onto the troll's back. It's just been established the troll is 12 foot tall. How high can Harry jump? Um, well... Does he maybe, have a miniature trampoline? Maybe he flew, like he flew onto the top of the school building. He just... Whoop, 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 and whoop. then he was there. There I am. Um, it's... Then it's ridiculously... Ridiculously childishness of him sticking his wand up the troll's nose. Yeah. It's gross. It's really gross. It's gross. Yeah. And then, let's talk about Ron. Because... He performs Wingardium Leviosa. Perfect. And I, right, I have a few things to say, and you can join in with this and stuff. Um, number one, this moment is given to Ron, not Harry, and not Hermione. Yeah. It's given to Ron. Number two, he gets the spell perfectly right, partly even though he doesn't realise it and would never admit it, because Hermione corrected him yeah. earlier. 
And also what I realised as an adult is, you know, at first they were practising with feathers. The reason why they were practising with feathers is because feathers are light. Feathers are easy to make float. He yeah. then does it, not able to do it on a feather, on a troll's club. I feel like this is a recurring theme throughout the Harry Potter books and something that when you... Obviously we never really have the laws and rules of magic spelled out for us, but I feel like they kind of are spelled out for us. <laughs> spelled out In the subtext, funny. yeah. In the subtext where... Magic is something very much like from within that if you put too much thought into, doesn't work. Yeah. Which I feel like is with a lot of things yeah. in, you know, actual real life as well. So we have multiple accounts, you know, like this, that when you're doing it in the moment because you have to do it and you're not overthinking it, it's a lot easier to do it yeah. than when you're in a classroom situation, which makes a lot of sense. Of you it know, does. it's it's reactions, it's instinct. Yeah. It makes so much sense with how we actually work. You know, we also have the example of Harry when he casts Expecto Patronum on and all can, those dementors. Yeah, and, and he before does it he's far. barely been able to do it on one. Yeah, exactly. So we have like a lot of different accounts of this yeah. thing. And I think it makes a lot of sense because, you know, how many times do you struggle to do something and then you have to do it in the moment without even thinking about it and you yeah. can just do it. It's like instinct. Yeah, and I but I also think this shows a bit of Ron's character that we see peppered throughout the books that he's actually one of the best out of all of them in high pressure situations. Because what we see Hermione doing here, which is also peppered throughout the books, Hermione's amazing. She can foreplan everything. But in a lot of high pressured situations, she, she falls to shit. She falls to shit. She that amazing it. line, are you a witch or are you? you? Which is one yeah. of my favourite lines. Hermione just kind of loses a bit in high pressure situations. She gets better, but she still... Which, yeah. is, which is a great part of her character because she can't be yeah. on top of it all the time. But Ron, who is most of the time, I don't care, I don't want to do it, I don't know how yeah. to do it. In high-pressure situations, he actually stays the calmest out of all of yeah. them. Yeah, I feel like this is another way. We talked about it uh, two episodes ago, how you're very like Ron. And I feel like that's like, I freak out in high-pressure situations. I go unbelievably calm. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, I just, I just know that Ron gets so much flack from so many people who read the book. And I'm just like, read this chapter. Harry does something stupid. Yeah. Hermione loses her head. And Ron stands there and does a spell, which he hasn't, to this point, not managed to achieve, mm -hmm. and saves them all. Yeah. He's this gross. podcast is mostly going to be me and Charlie just being like, look at this thing Ron did. Oh my God, did you see this thing Ron did? This is why I have a proposal for our Patreon where we do special episodes mm. focusing on individual characters. Because there's so many characters I could devote an entire episode to. Just be like, oh my, oh my God, God, I, I love, love you so them. much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then the teachers all run in and Hermione lies for them. And this is her moment uh, of bravery. I think the boys have just had their moments of bravery. But don't get me started. Why, Why does she lie? I know. It's, she didn't it's, have to. She did, like, she just gets points taken off them because it just, you know, she's like, oh, I was being an idiot. I thought I could tackle the troll myself. If she actually said... I was crying in the bathroom. But I don't I think she wanted no to say, idea. if they were like, why were you crying in the bathroom? She might have said, well, Ron said something. But like, she didn't have to. She could have been like, none of your business. Yeah. You know, they. it could have been a family thing, a person. She could have gotten her first period. They <laughs> didn't know. They wouldn't have really probably asked. No, she could have so said, it, I was just in the toilet. Actually, because Professor McGonagall would have noticed she wasn't at the feast. Professor yeah. McGonagall will notice where her students yeah, are. Yeah, it just makes absolutely no sense. If she'd said, I was crying in the toilets, the troll came in and the boys saved me because they noticed that I wasn't there. Like that, everyone's a hero. Well everyone's done. a hero, but because she lies, they get points taken off them. Yeah. She, well, maybe she's still panicking, so she comes up with this lie. Uh, it's her moment of bravery, but it's also really I, I don't know. I feel like it's more like a 
you know, it's a plot point where Hermione, uh, where J.K. Rowling is like, I have to make Hermione their friend somehow. She has to lie for them, proving herself to not be how she's been previously yeah. perceived, where she wouldn't lie to a teacher or break a rule. Yeah. So I feel like she needed to give an example to the boys of her breaking a rule for them to become friends. Yeah. And I feel like that's why she lies. Yeah. Not for any actual logical reason. Well, the point is, they become friends. Yay! And then I'm going to read another line as it was from the books, because this is, I think, my favourite line. There's one other line, which is in book six, but that and this are my favourite lines in all the books. Oh. There are some things you can't share without <laughs> ending up liking each other, and knocking out a 12-foot mountain troll is one of them. And what it reminds me of as an adult, when I read this as a kid, I was like, well, you just make friends, you know, that's what you do. As an adult, you realise it's really fucking hard to make friends. Yeah, like it is. It, it, it is tough. And also, when you have made a friend, you don't know, you don't remember how you ended up making friends with them. It's weird. Making friends is kind of this weird journey, and you can't remember where you got there. We are the very best example. And of we this. are the best example, because we don't know how we met, so that's yeah. a bit scary. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But, and this is kind of that example of that. They, they shared something which you know, most people wouldn't share, but that doesn't automatically... The, the ability for them to be friends was always in there. That was just yeah. the catalyst. And then they just all became friends and I'm just this bit makes me so damn happy I actually had never really you know related that into an adult perspective before but yeah like I think most of the people I'm friends with now I've been through something with them together yeah. and it's not, not always something tragic sometimes and serious sometimes it's something hilarious like some of the people I'm friends with are because something happened at work and we both ended up being the ones who were giggling and yeah. suddenly we're now friends because we're sharing that experience yeah and you know we, you know, we knew each other before working together, yeah. but we now work together and we have experienced the same thing. Me and Hannah had the same job at different times. Yeah. So Hannah had my, she took over from me in my, one of my old roles. So now when I'm like at work and I'm freaking out, Hannah is the only person that knows. So that's how we became friends. Yeah, and it's, because a, it's shared experiences, basically. It is. And, and these three can't talk about this with everyone else. Yeah. They shared an experience. I, that's a really, like, I'd never thought about it like yeah. that. And that's really lovely yes. and now my next note is like does Hermione ever get therapy no because I, I know she doesn't but like come on like she's been locked in a room like it's not just like oh she was in a room and there was a troll in there which is bad enough but like they locked her in there like imagine you're like crying in the bathroom suddenly a fucking troll which you've never seen before comes yeah. in you're and you're like, muggle-born so you don't even know what one looks like you're just yeah. like red so about you're them. like what the fuck oh my god you, you run towards the door and it's locked yeah like imagine that's the, the moment when she screamed as well. That's scary. Yeah, imagine the like PTSD, the reoccurring dreams that you would have mm. from that. Like, oh my god, Hogwarts, please get a therapist. Chapter eleven, Quidditch. So essentially, this is a chapter about Harry Potter's Quidditch game. Um, it, one of the first things is uh, they're talking about the frost settling in in November and the cold settling in. See, it is cold in November. Harry would have died on that doorstep. Yes, he would have. Yeah, and maybe that would be for the best. Yeah. So they are prepping for the Quidditch game. This chapter is one where it's sl it, it jumps around a lot. These early books, you know, later in the books, the chapter is mostly one event. Early in these books, have you noticed the amount of, like, paragraph breaks where it's switching time periods? Yeah. It's actually quite hard to make notes on. I was like, oh, they're in a courtyard. Oh, they're at Quidditch practice. Oh, they're in this. <laughs> so then they're in a courtyard and mm -hmm. Hermione has conjured blue flames in a jar, which is really cute. Yeah. I just like that. I just, mm -hmm. I just always really like that. So then Snape confiscates Harry's book. Mm -hmm. And later in the day, Harry goes to get the book off Snape. Yeah. And an amazing line. I read this line, you know, as a child, this was just a normal line in the books. As an adult, let me just read you this line in adult context. A horrible scene met his eyes. 
Snape and Filch were alone together inside. Oh no. Snape was holding his robes above his knees. <laughs> oh my god, I buy into this theory so much more. Oh, oh it's yeah. so horrible. Like, are you being homophobic? No! It's a natural <laughs> loving act, Hannah. They're just expressing themselves in I the know, way that they that, know how. That's not what's happening in this scene. Look. Well, Harry says it's a horrible sight. It's just such a funny line. I can't believe you didn't pick up on it. I didn't. Oh. It's normally my job to write penis metaphors. I wrote the penis joke this time. So basically what Harry's seeing is Snape has cut his leg. Probably... Oh my god, I really thought you were going to say cut something else. No. He's cut his leg, probably from Fluffy, and Filch is having to put bandages on for him. Then it switches again, and it's time for the Quidditch game. It mentions that Dean's really good at drawing um, because he's drawn a picture of a lion um, that they're going to hold on the stands for Harry. And I said it's these kind of little um, things that J.K. Rowling mentions that makes the character seem really real. Yeah. It's like, Dean, he's just this guy. He likes West Ham and he's good at drawing. And that's mm-hmm. all we know about him in book one, but it's just, it's just nice. And I yeah. know that that's still brought through in later books. Like, I remember in book six, it says something about Dean drawing something. And it's yeah. just, it's nice that you've got it this is. running theme of yeah. Dean just being good at drawing. It's just she loves her details. And, you know, some people don't like that, but I love it. And I think that's why it seems it. like one of the most real fantasy worlds that you can read about. Like, 100%. you don't read Game of Thrones and have them drop in, like, and I love Game of Thrones, but mm. they don't drop in little, like, tidbits about the characters no. like that. No. And it just, it feels so incredibly real. It does feel very, very real. Then we go on to the match, and Lee Jordan is commentating. How much did this make you laugh? I love it so much. I, I just love his commentating. It's just so funny, the bit where he's like, um, after that disgusting foul and McGonagall's like Jordan and he's yeah. like sorry after that you know bump which could have happened to anyone I'm sure we are all Lee Jordan but also just the dynamic of Lee Jordan McGonagall yeah oh I love it and yeah. the bit so she's trying to rip the they out of his should hands. have a podcast they would have the best like yes. oh my god can you imagine Lee Jordan Professor McGonagall's podcast so then this is why my notes were getting confusing and this is something I realised I'm going back to perspective and the way the books are written so you'll re- you'll remember in episode one I mentioned that the books are written from a third I think I called it a third person omniscient perspective so the books third. the books are set from Harry's point of view but it's not first person but the narrator only knows what's happening to and around Harry in later books, this switches occasionally for entire chapters. So we see it from mm. the Muggle Prime Minister's point of view, for example. But in early books, at moments in the Quidditch game, J.K. Rowling chooses to do this thing, which is actually quite... It, it doesn't fit very well, and it's clear why she stopped doing it, because it is actually quite confusing. This perspective keeps switching throughout the Quidditch game. Um, so at one point, we are actually seeing things from Hermione and Ron's perspective. Mm. At another point, we're seeing things from Lee Jordan's perspective rather than just hearing him. Another point, we're seeing things from Neville's perspective. And it's, you know, she's she's not saying we're seeing things from the character's perspective, but the characters are seeing things which Harry can't see, yeah. which later on in the books never happens. It's just in this early book, and I think it shows her actually, this is the first novel she'd ever wrote, and I think it shows her kind of, her writing style evolving, and how at the beginning it was a little bit dodgy at points. Like, it's not badly written, yeah. but the perspective changes once you read them are quite abrupt. Like, suddenly we're seeing it from Hermione and Ron, and then we're back to Harry with yeah. no... And I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think it comes across more... Like, this is one of the things that makes it seem like a kid's book. Yeah. Because it's it's very much written away where it's very, like, easy to understand, but not, not necessarily kind of, like, 
convenient to read. Yeah, it's not very cohesive, yeah. really. Um, but, you know, it's one of the only times in the books we ever see anything from Hermione and Ron's perspective. So Yeah, which is nice. It's nice. personally, rewrite all the books from Hermione's perspective. Would love it. She does most of the work, really. Yep. So Harry's broom starts to lurk. So Hermione spots Snape muttering and immediately thinks that he's cursing the broom. So she runs around the stands. She must run very fast because they're very big stands and she does it in the time it takes for Harry to like slip off the broom. And there's a very, very, another clever bit of misdirection where it says that Hermione knocks into Quirrell. As Hermione is running to Snape, she knocks into Quirrell in the row in front. And that is the moment the curse actually stops. But you don't realise that as the reader because Mm -hmm. it just carries on from Hermione's perspective of her going to Snape. And it's just another moment where J.K. Rowling does a great bit of misdirection. Yeah. But, like, I have a point about this. What was Quirrell hoping to gain by attacking Harry at the Quidditch? For him to die. But, like, why? Because that's not what's in the back of his head and Voldemort wants Harry gone. He wants the job finished that he started. But I don't think he does. I think that he always knows that he's probably going to need Harry no, to come I, back. No, I don't think at this point he does. I think at this point he still doesn't realise kind of what and who Harry is. Remember, this is the first time he's been in a body in the last, like, 11 years. Yeah. And he just, wants, he just wants the job that he started finished. Maybe, but I don't know. Like, I always kind of had the view that he knew that Harry was part of some larger plot like you know from the prophecy mm. i think he knew that harry was part of some larger thing that he was not going to get rid of harry by pushing him off a broomstick when he's like 11 so to me it seems weird it's just it seems very like more to do with the overarching book plot than any actual like Quirrell wanted harry dead yeah and i just feel like you know Quirrell slash Voldemort would know that realistically they're not going to kill Harry off in a Quidditch match. No, it's not going to work. It's not going like, to work. It's not, it's not going to work. So it just always seemed to me like this was maybe a bit of like weak bit of writing because it wouldn't actually happen. Yeah, it's a, it's a rubbish way. But like Quirrell has so much more access to Harry to kill yeah. him. Like clearly what's happening here is he's trying to make it look like an accident so no one gets in trouble. Yeah. But, but there's I, a lot better ways that Quirrell could have killed him. I feel like it's kind of like... Th- I feel like this is in there because this is probably written... Well, no, this is written when J.K. Rowling did not know if this would be one book mm. or seven. I mean, she said she always wanted it to be seven, but there was a chance she would never have the money to write it's, more. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, she might not have gotten the publishing rights. So this, I feel like this is added in there to be that kind of like, more like childish book, you know, that could stand alone. Oh, the bad guy, he's trying to kill off Harry. Yeah. Whereas actually when you get into the grand scheme of things, it doesn't actually make any sense, but it needed to be in there just in case this was one kid's book. Yeah, makes sense. So Hermione runs to Snape and sets a bitch on fire. Yeah, burn! Can Ooh. we talk about 12-year-old Hermione? Like, she sets her teacher on fire age 12. So did I. We just want to watch the world burn. What a feminist icon for our times. Yeah, yeah. She sets her teacher on fire. She well, could have asked him a question. She could have been like, oh, Snape, can I just, can I just, just one minute, I just want to ask you something. And he would have, like, had to turn around. But, like, she's just like, yep, the most logical thing to do right now is to set him on fire. Yep. I can think of no other way to deal with this situation. <laughs> yep. You know, I could tell another teacher. I could speak to him. I could bump into him. She could have just no, pushed him. Yeah, I'm going to set him on, on fire. fire. I, I need a moment of, hang on. I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this. This is Hermione's theme tune. In this moment. This is the moment where you're like, oh, she's such a goody too. She's such a nice girl. No, she is not a nice girl. No, she's not. Do mess with this bitch. She is a twisted fire starter. (laughs) 
She's gonna have to edit half of that. I know. It's all good. It's all good. So they go to Hagrid's hut. Hagrid accidentally tells them about Fluffy, and then he accidentally tells them about Nicholas Flamel. Because well done, Hagrid. You've basically given all the plot points away. Mm-hmm. That's it. Do you have any other notes for this chapter? No. No. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. Make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcasting app to listen to new episodes every fortnight. If you're feeling extra lovely, you can also leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We also have a Twitter at Goblet of Wine Pod where you can come chat to us, get updates and see behind the scenes content. And finally, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash goblet of wine. We love running this podcast, but it can be expensive at times, so Patreon really helps us out. There's loads of great rewards like bonus content behind the scenes and being the people to pick our alcohol each episode. So thank you so much again for listening and we'll see you in our next episode. Bye. Bye!